Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sara Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. to the show and today my guest is Shanir Dattelus. Shanir was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey to Haitian immigrant parents. He grew up in a large family with really strong views and very strong male role models where talking about feelings was a foreign concept. Having been through his fair share of breakups and heartbreak, Shanir turned to writing a book called Heartbreak Gone Good, where he talks about going through horrendous heartbreak and dealing with psychological demons. So I am super excited to welcome Shanir Dattelis to the show. Welcome, Shanir. Wow. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because it's not very often that you find a guy who's been through a heartbreak who is willing to openly talk about it on, on the show. So I'm very grateful that you're here. And also I know that you've written a book. So tell us a little bit about your journey to get to writing to your, writing your book. Right, so years ago, many years ago, I was in a relationship with a young lady who I um, had very strong feelings for. So we, we dated a bit. And as we dated several months, I wanted to go the next step with her. I wanted to not only be her boyfriend, but actually end up being engaged. So that never really happened because what happened was as I was pursuing that, I was finding out that she wasn't really interested in that and that there was someone else in the picture. So I was led to believe that that was something that was going to happen in down the road when and in actuality she was she was with someone else so that's that's how that's, that, that's pretty yeah. that's pretty painful finding out that your partner's caring about somebody else is always a really tough thing to find out so how did you find out that there was somebody else involved well i i found out because i've have i have a big family and they were keep an eye out for me, especially my female cousins. They would kind of tell me like, I don't know. I think I see her with someone. And I would, me being completely like blinded by love, I told them, you know what? You guys are just kind of butting into my business, but I don't see anything like that. I trust her. She's told me that, you know, that our relationship is moving along and there's a future for us. So, and, but they just kept bringing things up to my attention. And so I decided to just, inquire just kind of not follow her around but just happened to be in the same place that she was and I saw her with another guy and I I wasn't sure what to think at first because I didn't want to jump to conclusions but I saw the things that led me to believe that that this person was a significant other did you confront her after you'd seen her with somebody I did I uh -huh. I did I did talk to her about it um and we had a, let's just say, we didn't have a pleasant conversation about it. Uh, I, was, I was very angry. I felt betrayed because I thought after being together for, I'd say over a year 
period of time that we were progressing. There was nothing I saw that was in our relationship that led me to believe that things were going astray. So that's why I was really, really hurt by what I felt was something very deceitful on her part. I mean, finding out your partner's cheating on you is, is tough for anyone. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but us women, we tend to talk about things. We tend to ask, well, most of us are more prone to talk about it to pretty much everyone that comes into our lives. Maybe, you know, the hairdresser, the, the friend, the parents, you know, Absolutely. everyone kind of helps to support. Um, but I know not all men, but some men do find that very difficult. And from your situation, your background, your upbringing, I know that you found that very difficult to, to reach out for help. Absolutely. That in my culture, um, we men don't talk about feelings. Men don't reach out uh, to speak to someone about their feelings. We just deal with it internally. So I was just dealing with the pain. I didn't talk to anyone about it. I just, it just led me to just be more of a homebody. I mean, almost in a depressive mode because I felt like this situation was, I didn't know. I started blaming myself at some point. So what did I do wrong? Maybe I did something that made her be turned off by my, my actions. Maybe I wasn't a strong enough man. But whatever I did um, to deal with it, it wasn't reaching out to any, other, any, any, any family members or even a therapist to get support. It was just dealing with it internally, which made it worse. Yeah, so what sort of things were you doing then when it, to help you cope with that? Uh, well, I... I did things that were very self-destructive. I binged on food. I, I um, was antisocial, stopped hanging out with my friends, didn't want to go to events. I wasn't even interested in like, talking to other females. I just wanted to just kind of be in my own misery. So I, I just, just, just kind of separated myself from everyone else. So I didn't cope with it the right way. I, totally went the wrong way about it and made pull on my my pain yeah that's a really interesting thing because I think there are you know we're not taught are we at school there's not a lesson on how to cope when your relationship breaks down no. or when you go through some sort of traumatic event so exactly. we kind of rely on what we've seen other role models do in the past you know, growing up maybe or just who we spend our time with and also, you know, culturally, that will play a big part in it, like how other men in your, your situation have coped with things that, yeah. you know, were you seeing that you were repeating some patterns that maybe you saw as you were growing up as a child, maybe? Absolutely. For me, I looked at it as this is how men deal with these things. They don't cry. They're, they're men. So men are supposed to just learn how to cope with our feelings. I saw it in my uncles, my father. I never saw them. Um, yearn after a woman. I never saw them feel heartbreak. So I didn't know how to deal with that. I've never seen anyone else experience that, at least not my you know, older siblings or older um, generations. So it just was a hard thing for me to cope. I just, I didn't find, even though I know there's solutions out there, I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted, I just felt like I can just get through with it. Just, if I just soak, if I just, just kind of, hide long enough maybe things will get better and it, it, that, was, that was my approach I mean it is such a common coping strategy it's just that sort of unconscious go-to right just want to hide away from the world 
yeah. yeah, I'm not supposed to show my emotion, my upset. This is this is just how I'm supposed to get through it. But actually, like you said, you know, the binge eating and the isolation doesn't help. It keeps you stuck in many ways, even Absolutely. though, you know, sometimes it, it is a necessary part of the process to grieve the end of a relationship. And quite often that depression phase comes in and we get stuck in it a little bit, which is totally normal. Um, but what was it then that, that shifted you to help you move through that and come out the other side? Yeah, I started after several months of being in my own little space, in my own head, and just being isolated from the world. I started to get out a little bit more, and and I did find some help with dealing with my emotions when it came to like some like therapy sessions. It was something I was really adamant against, but I I, I did go and just so I can start talking because I felt like it was a taboo in my culture. We don't talk about it. You don't do therapy. I didn't even tell my parents about it. I didn't tell anyone about it because I felt like, oh, well, this is a sign of weakness for me to admit that I need a therapist to help me deal with my emotions. But I started doing that and I found someone that was able to talk to me and help me guide me and let me know that that's part of the process. I mean, you, that can happen, but that's is not the end of things. You can recover and get stronger from there. So that was what I did. And I just started slowly getting myself back into normal society, like they would say, and hanging out with friends and just just trying to get out of my my funk. It took a while, but I was able to slowly do that. But it was through therapy and just constant reinforcement by friends and family, just letting me know that, hey, you can't be like this. This is not healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting you talk about your culture. You've brought up a couple of times. For those people listening, can you explain a little bit about your culture? Right. I'm... I'm Haitian American, born in America, in New Jersey, but my parents are from Haiti. So in our culture, it's, it's a very men-dominated culture, meaning the men are head of the household, the men make all these decisions, men don't show feelings, the men don't show weakness, um, men don't have, <laughs> they, don't, uh, they don't show, they don't allow their heartbreaks to be shown. And if they go through it, you don't know about it. I mean, my dad was always strong, firm, the head of the house. He took care of everything. And he he, he wasn't one that would say, hey, son, how are you feeling today? Let me talk to you about it. Did you have a bad time? Did you, you it looks like you had a relationship issue. You want to talk about it? I couldn't do that. So I come from a culture where it's it's very macho. Men are, men are looked at as we're, we're, we're strong and at always. And we, if we don't take care of home, then we're not worthy. So given that background, it was hard to grow up being someone that was more of a romantic, someone who cared about feeling, someone who felt pain easily. So that was a challenging part of growing up being, being Haitian American. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about that with your culture because I have male clients from all over the world who experience very similar things. There's some sort of intrinsic belief there that you know the macho got to be strong it's a weakness to show emotion or upset and I think that's can be very damaging because you keep a lot of emotions in and you know I know you talk about in your book there's a theme of sort of overcoming those psychological demons tell me a little bit about what you mean by that because that's a really interesting term and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there struggling with similar things right now yeah, so for me, the psychological demons just entail just your state of mind, like what, how you handle this, the, in this situation, a heartbreak. So for me, it was looking 
at myself and just seeing nothing but bad. Um, looking at myself as a failure, looking at myself as someone who was not worthy. And so just and when, when I know that it's like you're doing something self-destructive and you know it's not good for you, but you can't stop doing it because this is what you feel is your comfort zone now. This is where you go to. So for me, those demons just happen to be like, I, I'm in a bad state, I'm in a bad place, but I'd rather be in this place right now because the pain of having to allow people to see me in this state would be worse. So just doing self-destructive thing, like I mentioned before, from you know, overeating, watching too much TV, uh, just not doing what I'm supposed to, not going to work, uh, you know, not being late to work constantly, and um, and a little bit of alcohol, but not a big drinker, but some of that. But it it just behaviors that led to problems down the road, whether it was your, with my employer or having relationship issues with my other family members because I wasn't interacting with them, ignoring their calls, not just not being in the world, just disappearing. Yeah. I mean, it is really interesting because your breakup will have a ripple effect on your entire life. You know, unfortunately, it's not just capsulated to, you know, you and your ex. It is everything, you know, whether it's work, as you say, or, you know, parenting or friendships, other family members. So, I mean, it really is something that, you know, it's why it's so traumatic to go through because it has so many repercussions. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in, in how, you know, you obviously you said you came out of that by asking for help with therapy given your culture and the people around you, how did they regard that? Was that something as, you know, obviously you were nervous about asking for help in the first place when you actually did, what, what was the reaction? Yes, um, it's surprising. There's two sets. The females were in my family were much more understanding and said, that's good because a lot of you guys are you're too strong for your own good. The males on the other hand, cousins and brothers were surprised. They said, well, therapy, why do you need that? We don't need therapy. And so I, I, I got a mixed reaction. The women were very encouraging. Not The elderlies were different because they, they grew up in a culture in a time that they didn't do therapy. But the younger people of my age, my family members had done it before, and especially the females. And they've been in relationships that have problems and they've encouraged their mates who didn't want to because their mates also happen to be Haitian. So they were very supportive where the male cousins were skeptical. My brothers were skeptical. I didn't even tell my parents. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't tell them because I just didn't, I don't know if they could understand. My dad would not understand it. Nobody would support that. So I, I talked to both sides and I got support on the female side with my sisters and cousins, but the, the guys were skeptical and weren't sure that that's the route I should have. They just said, you should just hang out and just let's go hang out and and, and find people to date and that will get you out of it. And I told them that's just not how I function. I don't, I don't just get out of things, you know. That's a really interesting thing because that is advice that a lot of people going through breakups are given, aren't they? I mean, there's that old saying, the best way to get over someone is to get under yeah. somebody else. I mean, not very pleasant yeah. saying, but you know, that is out there. And I think, you know, it, you know, it is obviously a quick fix in the moment, but it's not going right. to change some of the fundamental issues. And again, okay. it can cause more heartbreak and pain down the road. It's one of those sort of distractions rather than dealing with the actual cause, which, you know, yeah. I think you're very brave to step up and, and do that. Having seen how successful the therapy was for you, did you find that some of the attitudes of your male family members and friends, did that, did that change over time? Yeah, I, I think... 
it's a good question because they saw the changes. They saw that I was getting better, but I, they, I, I feel like they stole some wall with them when it came to that because they, they did ask me and inquire like, well, what, what do you guys talk about in therapy? You know, um, what, how did you, how did you sort through that? Cause you were really in, in a shell. And so I don't know if you encouraged them to go and do it themselves. I did find that they were more interested in hearing about it than they were before because they started to see the change in my attitude and the change in my behavior. Then they noticed that that was a positive thing. So they're more curious as to how I got there and what I did, what was the process. So I told them, you would have to go in therapy yourself to get it, but I think it's a good thing to do. And we, not, we have to get this stigma off out that you know therapy is for weak people, it's for weak men don't do therapy. So I, that in my culture, that's something that's prevalent. And I just wanted them to know, like, if we got to do better. This generation has to do better than the previous generation. We got to start being open with our feelings because that's how we can deal with it. We won't be able to deal with it by keeping it in. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping you have inspired a generation there to, to do better than the previous generation. And I think, you know, that obviously you're in a lot of pain and you found a way out and sharing that with other people is great. I'm wondering how you found it when you had your first therapy session to sit down with someone and then, you know, it's one thing to book the session, but it's another thing then to start opening up when you've kept it all so, so hidden and closed down. How, how right. did that work for you? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life, and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again great i'm wondering how you found it when you had your first therapy session to sit down with someone and then you know it's one thing to book the session but it's another thing then to start opening up when you've kept it all so so hidden and closed down how, how right. did that work for you uh, it was really awkward at first because I'm, I'm sitting at this chair and then someone's asking me a stranger no less you know how did that make you feel and then asking me some of my pain points growing up as a child and it I was, it was awkward. I had a hard time initially opening up because I wasn't used to talking about my feelings. Plus I, I was a little reluctant to go, go back into my childhood years. And not that they were terrible, but it's just that I just remember not being able to express myself. And so when she was asking me to, to go back and start talking about these things, it, it, it was a, it was a pressure point for me, but over time, as I started to understand the, the motive and the, the, the process behind 
the questions and how she was trying to get me to, I realized it's just, this is the way I have to come out because I haven't talked about these things, not on the level I needed to, in order for me to get out of my, my situation. So it was awkward, but it was a build up to just me opening up slowly. But as the, we went to different sessions, I felt more comfortable talking about my issues and my concerns about right. my feelings. Have you learned from that then now that it's, you know, are you, what have you taken away from it? Do you find you open up more easily to people now or, or do you still sometimes go back to holding those feelings in? I feel like I'm better in that respect because there are a lot of things that I would not do. I would not tell people how I felt about certain things. I went to high school and so forth, college. I just could not. And, and I knew that it was not good because I would see something I really don't like about something or someone and I just could not do it. And, but after these sessions, I felt good to say, hey, by the way, you know, when you said that to me earlier, it really stung. I, you know, I appreciate if you didn't do that again. And that was even me hearing myself say that was weird. I said, I can't believe I just told someone that all my years, I never told anyone how I felt. I, even they would say something, I would just ignore it. Act like I didn't hear it. But now I'm talking. So I, I'm not saying that I'm full, like, hey, everything, every chance I get, I tell people my feelings, but I'm much further along than I was when I, than when I started the therapy sessions. Oh, that's amazing. Well, well done you, because it's one thing to ask for help, but it's another thing to take it on board and then to, to make that part of who you are moving forward. So I think that's, that's a really inspiring story for a lot of my listeners, because to go you know, from such an entrenched cultural background of keeping everything secret and being strong at all times, to actually being confident and strong enough to be vulnerable at times and say, look, that hurt me is, is a huge, huge step forward. And you know, hopefully you are inspiring and with your story, you're inspiring others as we speak now. And I know also that you found a lot of peace from writing your book. So tell us a little bit about the book, what it's about and how it's helped you. Right. Uh, I, I, you, you're right. I did find some peace because it touched on a subject that I went through in my earlier years as far as going through a heartbreak and then all the, I would say, collapse afterwards, the psychological demons, the issues that stem from that. So I... After what happened in my relationship, I started writing this book because I wanted to chronicle what I went through and the pain and the process. And I felt the best way to do that is to, to writing, put pen to paper. It was kind of like a journey that I went through and there was some similarities in the story. And then I decided that I was born to do that, which was interesting because again, I come from a past where I didn't open up about my feelings. And this book is that's all it's about. It's letting out feelings. It's letting be known that, hey, this is, uh, I love and I hurt if you hurt me. So um, that was the process for me. And it was cathartic because I find in writing this book that I started to heal a little bit more as far as understanding like what I went through and why I went through it and how I responded, not in a positive way, um, but that learned that sometimes you do and love, you just never know what's going to happen to you. Never know when someone breaks your heart, how are you going to respond? Some people can handle it well, some people don't. And in the book, the character didn't handle it well, but I wanted to make it that way because it was important to not make him strong, but make him not, not that he was weak in, in the fact that that happened, but he was weak and became stronger because of what he went through. Well, I love that. I mean, I love that sort of trauma to triumph and how adversity yeah. can create a real strength within you. Yeah. So your book's called Heartbreak Gone Good. 
And it's about a man who overcomes a really horrendous heartbreak and is dealing with those psychological demons that we touched on earlier um, in order to help him find a new love. Is that So tell us a little bit about, you know, don't give anything away because we want to go buy it and read it, but tell us a little bit about how that starts and, and what we can expect from it. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's just a little bit about the character. He's He comes from a strong family, a uh, loving family. And so he has a real close relationship with his mom, so close that she, she, she that he's like a mama's boy. But um, he, and as he grows older, his relationship starts to disintegrate. It's just that his parents die. And then so, and then his siblings, who he was close to, is not as close to. So he yearns to have his own family. And that's the goal of that. And so he meets someone and he meets someone in a, in a law firm environment and he is smitten right away. She's everything he thinks he needs. She's smart, she's powerful, she's, she's, she's beautiful, she's energetic and she commands. And he is just, then that, that's where it starts. And from that on, from meeting her, it's like when you say love at first sight, he goes from there and then things go supercharged from there. And that's how the story starts. But he just, because he's so smitten and he's so into her, he doesn't see any of the pitfalls. And so that's the whole point. But the key thing about the story for me is just that it's not so much that is what happens afterwards. How do you deal with that? Because we're going to fall, but how do we get up from that? I love those stories. Those sort of the stories, you know, that take that real heartbreak and then they turn it around. A bit like yeah. the, the podcast, Heartbreak to Happiness. I think that's a journey that, yeah. you know, sharing those stories and finding different things because everyone responds differently to different things, you know, and everyone's up against different challenges in their breakup. So actually, I mean, this is going to be fascinating. So thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about where we can find you. If people listening want to buy your book, where can they get it? And also, are you on social media? Can we find you somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. You can find it on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon, you can find my book there. I'm on Instagram under Shanir Dadalus. And then you, it's in different places too. I've, I've seen a Barnes and Nobles, Target, but Amazon is, since almost everyone uses Amazon, it's the easiest way to find it. And you can get a copy. It's a quick read. It's, it's a fun read. It's my passion. I put everything into it. And I feel like this story represents a lot, not just what I went through, but a lot of what a lot of people went through. And it's okay for men to admit that they've been badly broken, but you have to find a way to get through that and then live again. And that's what this story is about. I think that's lovely. And I think that that message that, you know, whoever you are, male or female, and even if you're from an environment or you're somebody that doesn't like to express their emotions, then, you know, there is a way through and you can come out stronger as you clearly are. So Absolutely. thank you for that. And I have one last question for you that I ask all my guests on my podcast. Um, obviously, the podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important that you recognize what happiness is for you. So when you are going through those challenges with those psychological demons, you can tap into, oh, yeah, I know this is a little bit of pocket of happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Shanae? Happiness for me, I always tell people, I'm going to start with something really <laughs> corny but it's it's this is what my happiness is um from a relationship standpoint obviously being with someone who's compassionate loving supportive and that wants to go on a journey with you so um but 
my daily happiness is a cup of coffee. It sounds corny, but I like a nice cup of like a latte. But I happiness for me really is just about being with a it's not necessarily you can be with someone that you love and that's there. But if you don't have someone accepting yourself, loving yourself and being happy with the blessings that you've been given in life and living from there. So whether you're with someone or not, you can be happy. I mean, if you're with someone, you can still you can be happy by just just being you. So that's my my version of being happy is just being me. Love that. And I know you've gone on and you're married now. So you do get that happiness at the end of all those challenges, which is lovely to hear. Well, thank you so much. You've been really inspiring. I think you've opened our eyes to a lot of challenges that happen out there when you're going through breakups. And so thank you so much for being a fabulous guest. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to check out Heartbreak Gone Good on Amazon and follow Shanir Datalus on Instagram as well. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Heartbreak to Happiness.